This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us this morning. We've got lots to get to today. Coming up at 9.30 this morning, Sam Dossler of the uh, Connecticut State Golf Association is going to join us uh, to preview the Masters. Talk a little bit about the change of golf, the the big talk around the golf world these days, of course, is what Bryson DeChambeau is doing and overpowering golf courses, the change in equipment, and uh, how is that affecting the game going forward? And is it something that we need to be concerned with? I mean, the average golfer, it doesn't affect too much, but... um, you know, when, when things like this happen, you know, we went through this with, with Tiger Woods years ago and now Bryson DeChambeau taking it to the next level. So we'll talk to uh, Sam about that coming up at 930. Um, before we get to the yesterday's press conference with the Red Sox, which, of course, is uh, top on the list here in New England, um, the COVID has hit again. We have some college football games postponed this weekend. The SEC has lost three games this weekend. Now number one Alabama and LSU will not play this weekend. Uh, Texas A&M number five will not play at Tennessee. And, of course, on Monday the Auburn-Mississippi State game was postponed. So three games uh, virused out, I guess (laughs) you could say. Uh, And there is a good chance that that, Alabama-LSU game uh, will not be played at all. Um, they are going to reschedule the AM tennessee game for December 12th. Um, but LSU has had so many problems with the coronavirus that there is a good chance that one is not going to be able to be played. So... The uh, they continue to fall, you know, and and we've been very lucky in the NFL so far that uh, it has been a minimal impact. The NFL yesterday actually um, uh, passed some measures and made it official. They do have a backup plan uh, to go to a 16 team playoff field. um, And uh, if there are significant numbers of games lost going forward and moving back, um, the playoffs, adding an, an additional week to the schedule, moving back to Super Bowl if necessary. Um, so, you know, they're preparing for it. And as the numbers continue to go up, I think we were at, what, 131,000 cases yesterday. This is like uh, like a week straight, I think, that we've had over 100,000 cases a day, and it just keeps going up. So, um, you know, and, and the Pittsburgh Steelers have had a, a – a bunch of guys put on the COVID list, including Ben Roethlisberger, because they had a player test positive. But, you know, it's out of a, an abundance of caution. They've got them on that list. They'll test and, you know, good chance that everything will come out fine. But, you know, you got rather be safe than sorry. 
All right. Um, one other quick note. Um, I've had a bunch of people asking me about doing this, and I was kind of hesitant. It's a little bit of extra work, but uh, we are now going to have this show on a podcast every week or every day, I should say. Um, and you'll be able to find it. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. It's on Amazon Music. Uh, it's on Red Circle. It's uh, it's it's going to be on YouTube. It's everywhere um, because, uh, you know, right now at nine o'clock, you know, people are at work. Uh, normally, our show runs eight to 10 a.m. And, and it's a little early for some people or it's difficult for them because of work and they'd like to be able to listen later. So we are going to uh, to start having it as a podcast. Matter of fact, yesterday's uh, episode was our first one up so we will be uploading a new episode every day as soon as this show is over so i would say by uh, uh by ten thirty eastern time or 11 o'clock eastern time every weekday uh, there should be a new episode of the podcast up so if you can't listen in the morning uh and you want to still listen you can you can download it and listen at your leisure all right let's get to alex Corey yesterday before we have, have sam up at nine thirty. um I said yesterday that Cora needed to strike the right tone in this press conference, and he needed to do it right away, and he did. Um, the first thing he said was, hey, I want to apologize. He said, I deserved what happened. It's something that I'm not proud of, but at the end I got my penalty and I served it. He said, I want to apologize to the organization uh, for putting them in such a tough spot. Um he said, uh, you know, that he's sorry. And he said he's not treating it as a comeback story. Uh, you know, he's going to use what happened as a way to make people better. He said he is going to use himself as an example to people going forward. So he said the right thing right off the bat. Uh, and he said, look, uh, I know that there is going to be, you know, some tough times in certain places. You know, there's going to be backlash, and he knows it. And he says, I'm ready for it. I understand it. So, you know, so as far as that goes, the tone has been set. He has put himself and Red Sox Nation on notice that, look, I screwed up. Not going to happen again. And he even said, I know if anything were to happen again, I'm out of baseball. So there is no wiggle room for Alex Cora. So I was gratified that he struck that tone. Now, there are going to be people, you know, and I saw it on Facebook. You know, they had the they had the uh, press conference on live. And, of course, you, you know, you have the people with their comments. And everybody's got snarky comments. Well, a cheater will always be a cheater. And, oh, you screwed, the, you know, the Dodgers. And, yeah. Look, here's what I don't want to hear. I, I understand some people are upset about this. And you have the right to be. I get it. Okay? But I don't want to hear a whole bunch of righteous indignation about the Red Sox rehiring Alex Cora. Alex Cora was penalized. He served the penalty. Whether you agree with the penalty that Rob Manfred gave him or not, he served the penalty for the crime. 
just like somebody goes to jail and if they rob your house and they get two years, they do the two years, whether you agree with that or not, it's what the justice system gave them. And everybody deserves a second chance. And I'm not trying to say that what Alex Cora did is the same as robbing somebody's house. I'm just saying that you, you do the crime, you do the time, and you should be able to move on with your life. Some people are not going to allow him to do that. They are always going to deride him. Here's my issue with that. And I, I'm not trying to get all biblical on you. All right, but there is there is a saying, there is a, a, a passage in the Bible basically that says, let's those of you without sin throw the first stone. Everybody has done something in their lives they are not proud of. Now, maybe you didn't get caught, but you've all done something in your life that you're not proud of. Maybe you did get caught. And maybe you were able to move on for that because somebody gave you a second chance. Or maybe you just did something, nobody ever found out about it, but it's something that you've always kind of, it's always kind of bothered you that you did it. You know, maybe it's something stupid, like maybe, you know, you, you shoplifted a pack of gum when you were a kid. Everybody has done something wrong. So these people that are out there throwing stones at Alex Cora as if they are a saint is disingenuous. It's wrong, and everybody needs to check themselves. You can be upset about the whole situation with Houston. I get that. But look, and it's not Alex Cora's fault that, uh, you know, Carlos Correa and, you know, you know, Jose Altuve and whoever on the team that the players didn't get punished. That's not Alex Cora's fault, but Alex Cora lost a year of his job. A.J. Hinch got suspended for a year. Jeff Luna, the GM, lost his job. You know, people were punished for what happened. And every these guys should have an opportunity to get their careers back. You know, and Dan Shaughnessy had a comment. Well, what about the other cheaters? What is this? If we're letting these guys back in, what does it say about guys like Pete Rose? Well, Pete Rose did something that, you know, it's hard to forgive. I mean, you can forgive, but you can still say, no, you can't come back in because gambling has been something that is against the Major League Baseball code, and there are there are notices in every clubhouse across Major League Baseball, and there has been for decades about you can't gamble on baseball. Well, he did. That was breaking a cardinal rule. What the Houston Astros did was stretched the, uh, you know, everybody's always trying to steal signs. Well, they used electronic devices to do it. They stretched the uh, the unwritten rules, and they went too far. And now there are now it's it's there's penalties clear on the books that if you do this, I mean, look, it's it's a completely different story if this ever happens again, okay? But this caught everybody by surprise, and he served his time. He has the right to get a second chance. He didn't kill anybody. All right. 
Uh, so those of you that want to sit there and you know and point your finger as if you are Saint Joe or Saint Pete or whatever he, your first name, you know, if you want to, congratulations. I'm going to call the Vatican and work on having you made into a saint. Because I guarantee you, if you look deep enough into your background, you've done something at some point. You know what? You know you have. Maybe you you know maybe you punch somebody's lights out because you were drunk or you got angry. We've all done things that we're not proud of. We've all done things that we wish we could take back. But we were able to move on with our lives, and, and hopefully people will give you a second chance. Everybody deserves a second chance, by and large. You know, I'm, you know again, I'm not, he didn't kill anybody. This isn't, he's not a, a mass murderer. All right, that's a completely different story. He stretched the rules. He got caught. He got penalized, as did other people. So stop your, he's, a cheater is always a cheater. That's not fair. You know what? If you shoplifted a pack of gum when you were a teenager, does that make you always a thief? I'm just asking the question. So I have very little tolerance for people that are going to hold this against Alex Cora forever. And look, I have some friends that are not happy about this hiring, and that I'm okay with. Because they also say, look, I believe in second chances, but you know, part of their part of their problem with Alex Cora, I think, coming back is how fast it happened. But at the end of the day, if Major League Baseball says you will serve a penalty of one year and you serve that penalty, then why shouldn't you be able to get your your job back or get another job in the game? You know, that's part of the problem we have with society today. If somebody makes a mistake and they they go to jail, there are so many laws on the book, so many rules that make it impossible for guys to get jobs when they come out of prison because we hold that against them forever. You know, maybe somebody made one stupid mistake in their life and then they then they're branded for the rest of their lives and they have trouble getting a job. Look, my wife works in retail. They do background checks on people. And even if it's not a violent crime, even if it was something stupid, if it's on your record and depending on what it was, you can't get a job with this company forever. And, you know, there are many companies that are like that. Alex Cora did not commit a felony. Okay, folks, he did not go to jail. Uh, So let's calm down a little bit. Let's give him an opportunity to show us that it's not going to happen again. He knows it can't happen again. The other part I liked about the press conference yesterday, and I think it put the rest of our minds at ease, so to speak, is that Bloom made it clear that this was his decision, that yes, the ownership group did have some input, but they and they let him know what their thoughts were on Alex Cora, but then they also told him that it was his decision. That, you know, if he decided that he wanted to go a different direction, ownership would back that. 
And there did not seem to be any uncomfortable moments for Bloom in this press conference. He seemed very comfortable with the decision that he made. And it sounds like that he and Alex Cora had some very poignant conversations when he flew down to Puerto Rico, that there weren't any punches pulled. And at the end of the day, Bloom was comfortable with bringing Alex Cora back and thought it was the right move for this team. So if you're Alex Cora, mission accomplished. Now, there were a couple of reporters that tried to drag Alex into this deeper and wanted details about what went on in Houston, and he wasn't going to give them, nor should he. You know, and and I'm not going to call out the couple of reporters that did it, but it was BS. He's already said he was sorry. He's already said that, you know, that as a leader, it wasn't something he should have done. And, uh, you know, talked about that it was a tough year that he got to spend time at home, but it was for the wrong reasons. And he kept saying that he wasn't proud of it. So, you know, just let it go. We're not ever going to get all the details out of what happened in Houston, at least not in probably for, you know, 40 years until somebody's retired and, you know, 70 years old and finally comes clean about what they did. But at the end of the day, he deserves a second chance. So please save your indignation and let's move on. And you have the right to say you're not happy about it. But let's also recognize that Alex did do what was required of him. And that the Red Sox did their due diligence and felt comfortable that this wasn't going to be an issue going forward, just as the Detroit Tigers did with A.J. Hinch. You know, if I, you know, if I'm a fan of a team, I'm probably more upset if I'm the Chicago White Sox knowing that uh, we just hired a 76-year-old guy who has gotten arrested for a DUI yet again. And again, I, everybody, there's a lot of people that have issues with alcohol, and I'm not saying that Tony La Russa, you know, should should get fired, but I'm saying that here's a guy who's been was arrested for a DUI back in 2007, and here we are again with the same thing happening. And you knew about it, and you still hired him. I'm more upset about that than I am about Alex Cora. If I'm if I'm a a White Sox fan, by the way, come to find out that they did uh, uh, they did a blood test on him, and uh, his blood alcohol level was uh, 0.095, which is well above the legal limit of 0.08. And uh, supposedly he was uh, didn't even want to submit to that, and had to when they brought a subpoena. So. Uh, you know, it wasn't much wasn't much he could do about it then. And that he was incoherent. So I'm more worried about that if I'm a baseball fan than I am about Alex Cora. So unless you are a saint, you have no right to pass judgment on Alex Cora after he has served his sentence. I'm sorry. You just don't. Now, if he comes back and the team stinks and he doesn't seem to have control of what's going on with that club, that's a different conversation. That's a baseball conversation. You know, this is a character issue, and Alex Cora is appears, anyway, to be a stand-up guy. He did not try to duck this yesterday. Um, so, I'm comfortable with it. I felt much better after listening to that yesterday. Um. 
I was going to talk about the uh, the Mets, but we're kind of up against the uh, – uh, Steve Cohen had his press conference with the Mets yesterday. I was going to talk about that, but we're kind of up against it. we got Sam Dostler coming on in a couple of minutes to talk about the uh, Masters Golf Tournament. Uh, so before we go to a break and bring Sam on, uh, one other quick note out of baseball yesterday. Of course, they named the managers of the year yesterday. No surprise, Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays and Don Mattingly of the Miami Marlins named managers of the year to the surprise of no one. So Florida gets a clean sweep of the managers of the year. Uh, by the way, Kevin Cash, this, the, the award had already been voted on before the playoffs. Uh, because obviously Kevin Cash will go to his grave having to explain why he lifted Blake Snell <laughs> in that last game. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, uh, it's one of those things that, uh, and, and he said, you know, yesterday after winning the award, he said, hey, look, as somebody asked him if he reflects on it, he says, there's not a day goes by that I don't. He said, but, he said, I would do it the same way all over again. I would plead for a different outcome. That's for sure. And he said that, you know, with a laugh. So, you know, he knows, you know, but that's that's goes with the territory. So uh, Cash, 43 years old, manager of the year, Don Mattingly, becomes uh, the fifth person, by the way, in baseball history to win most valuable player as a player and then manager of the year. Um, and uh, he uh, is the first manager of the year for the Marlins since Joe Girardi won it. Uh, back in 2006. Uh, in case you're curious, Rick Renteria, who was fired by the White Sox, uh, he finished second in the American League. And uh, Jace Tingler, the manager of the San Diego Padres, finished second in the National League. It is 28 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Sam Dostler will join us uh, to preview the Masters. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. We are pleased to be joined by Sam Dosser, the Assistant Director of Operations uh, for the Connecticut State Golf Association. We love to have Sam on when it comes time for golf. And good morning, Sam. How are you? It's a it's a weird time to be talking about the Masters in November. I'm doing pretty good, Gene. Yeah. What you didn't expect a year ago to be uh, previewing the. Um, Masters about a week and a half before Thanksgiving. Well, you know, I guess with 2020 being what it is, I guess nothing should surprise us. But you know what's no. weird? Be, you know, what's what's going to be strange is that the golf course is going to play differently, too, because of yeah. the time of year. Uh, and, and not only that, now they're talking about there's going to be, like, rain just about every day, so the course is going to be soft. Um, but it's But the atmospheric conditions may make this a completely different kind of Masters than we're used to. Yeah, it's interesting because the Masters is usually that tournament where guys who might not usually have a chance do have a chance, especially players who know the course. Uh, think about Bernard Wanger, how many times you see his name around the top of the leaderboard, how many times we've seen Fred Couples' name around the top of the leaderboard in the last few years, at least through a couple of rounds, uh, but this year, with the conditions and the course lengthened over the years to 7,400 yards, you're looking at a, a tournament that I think is really going to set up for the Bombers, which is going to set up for someone like Bryson DeChambeau. Well, uh, we'll get to him in, in a second uh, because he's the talk of the golf world. Um, yeah. But we can't talk about the Masters without talking about Tiger Woods. And, you know, I had to remind myself – 
that Tiger Woods is the defending champion. It, that seemed like a lifetime ago that he won that. <laughs> And he seems like a completely different golfer. I remember, you know, last year when he wins that Zozo Championship in Japan, he comes back and wins the Masters. And everybody's going, oh, my God, Tiger Woods is back. And now it's like we're talking about him like he's getting around the course with a walker. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's not the same guy. No, it, I mean, after he won last year at Augusta, I, I can't tell you how many times you heard, well, how many majors is he going to win now? You know, it was, yeah. he's at 15. He, like you said, he just won Zozo. He had won the tour championship, uh, the previous September. And how many times is this gonna, guy going to win? What's the second act, third act, whatever you want to call it going to be like. And yeah, now 18 months later, roughly, uh, he's 44 years old. Of course, Tiger Woods, whenever he, he tees it up, is going to have some sort of chance, but he just hasn't been playing much. Uh, he missed the cut at the U S open at the Zozo. He tied for 72nd place. Of course, that was not on the course that he won last year. The tournament moved stateside due to everything COVID related, but not playing much when he does play, hasn't played great. Didn't play great in the PGA championship at, at Harding park. You could argue Harding park and, Wingfoot, where the U.S. Open was held, didn't set up great for him. Long courses, long rough. The Masters is a wider course, less less penalizing is the rough. But, it, you know, it's really a toss in the hat. But Tiger is always a guy when he comes to Augusta who seems to find some sort of form. Right. Even even after he was out of the game for, for months following the 2009 debacle, he came back at the Masters and he finished – Top five. Right. So th this is a guy who seems to find a way to play at Augusta, but it comes back to that question with the course potentially playing longer. Uh, and someone like Tiger and the physical conditions that he's had, well-documented, it's supposed to be a – it could be a washout on Thursday tomorrow. The weather looks like it's going to be playable for stretches Friday through Sunday, but there's that potential for starts and stops, starts and stops, maybe, uh, although daylight might play a factor, more than 18 whole days. Right. What kind of effect would that have on someone like, like Tiger Woods, who has talked many times about when he has an early tee time, how early he's waking up just to get himself to that first tee to be able to play that round. Well, and not to mention the fact that now you're playing this in November, it's going to be cooler down there. You know, you know, if you're down there, uh, you know, with the earlier start time, you know, the normal start time, the weather's warmer. You don't have to worry so much about uh, if, if there is a start and stop about that back tightening up. Uh, right. But because now with rain and cool weather, you know, goodness knows, but uh Again, I guess, as you said, with his local knowledge, I guess you have to give him a chance. I just I don't think I'd be betting my house on it. No, I certainly wouldn't be uh, putting any any bet in my house bets on Tiger Woods. The weather is supposed to, temperature wise, it's supposed to be OK. I know it was supposed to be 70s, 80s uh, before this forecast of the rain sort of moved in. Right. A little cooler now, but it's not going to be terrible, uh, but it's, it's certainly not going to be ideal and it's certainly not going to be that. April weather that you mentioned that we're so used to at Augusta. All right, so let's talk about Bryson DeChambeau. You brought him up early. He's Everybody's talking about the beast that he has become, literally. I mean, he came back after the COVID layoff, and he looked like he had swallowed another golfer. I mean, honest to God, he's huge. Yeah. And, you know, he is, he is all about – 
all about club head speed and all about distance mm-hmm. now and overpowering golf courses. He has become the golf equivalent of launch angle and exit velocity in baseball. He has. I saw a quote uh, from him this week, and I don't remember who I saw it to, so I unfortunately won't be able to credit the reporter. But uh, he was saying that he's his team has advanced physical therapy 20 years, which is ridiculous right. to, yeah. to, to think about. And uh, I was listening to the No Laying Up podcast right before hopping on this show. And uh, there's reports that he's putting the media center at Augusta in danger. His, his drives are coming within 10 yards. <laughs> I mean, insane. this is a, yeah. you know, this is a, this is a brand new media center. And I'm sure when they built it uh, four or five years ago, whatever it is now, they weren't factoring in someone launching balls like Bryson's doing, but just to talk a little bit about what he's been doing in the practice rounds. Of course he won U.S. Open in September, overpowering Wingfoot uh, on number one in practice rounds, 445 yards, par four. He's had a wedge into the green. The par five second hole, 575 yards. He's on an eight iron. <laughs> uh, he's, hit, he's, hit, he's hit in three woods over the 350-yard par four third hole. So this guy, he's going to be taking routes that we we haven't seen. I mean, right. they tiger-proofed the course after his run of – of wins in the late nineties and early two thousands. Uh, I don't know if you can start Bryson proofing courses. I mean, he's only won one major, uh, but he's changing the way the game is played. And uh, you see guys like Tony Finau now trying to hit it farther. I know Rory McIlroy has been uh, posting some different things about swing speed. So it's changing the way the game's going to be played and not to get off too much on a tangent, but you're going to see young kids starting to model their game like this unless something is done as far as rolling back the golf ball right. or changing the way equipment is made because the technology, regardless of how long these courses are, I mean, it's not realistic to have uh, these courses 8,500 yards or, or something like that. Uh, these are what the courses are. And you, you I mean, it's full, case, credit to, well, full yeah. credit to Bryson. But in most you know? cases, but in most cases, you know, you can't. We've gotten to a point where, yeah, they tiger-proofed a lot of courses, but geography is what geography is, and right. these courses aren't going to have the ability to to have an eight thousand yard course because they just don't have the real estate to do it. Right, and if you're building a course, can you really? I mean, I suppose you could build a course specifically for the pros. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, a tee box yeah. specifically for the pros, which most of these use. The, but I mean, if you're building a if you're building a course with the mind of a tournament being there, a tournament with the PGA Tour is one week out of the year. Right. The other fifty one weeks are you people me. like me and yeah. you, right. Right. trying to hack the ball around. Yeah, hacking in my case would be a would be the accurate <laughs> term in my case. Um, but so let me ask you this: There's been a lot of talk over the years about the equipment, and I remember. And let's start with Bryson DeChambeau's equipment first of all. This is a guy that, you know, when he came out, he had this new set of equipment where all the clubs were the same length. And everybody kind of laughed at him. And he was like, you know, this is, you know, and and now nobody's laughing. But there's been talk for years. You know, Jack Nicklaus has said, I'd love to see some of these guys try to win tournaments with the the equipment that I was using. Now, I'm Mm -hmm. not saying we need to go back that far, but does the P, is there any serious talk within the PGA, Sam? of potentially 
limiting equipment, just like we don't use metal bats in Major League Baseball. Is there any serious talk about this? I I mean, you'll hear the discussions about the equipment, and most of the talk is surrounded around rolling back the golf ball. That's where you hear most of the talk. Are they going to roll back the golf ball to take away some of the distance that these guys have? And there's, there's even talk year in and year out, and I was just listening to some talk about that, especially if Bryson goes around and bombs his way around Augusta and wins. Does Augusta, because they're separate from the PGA Tour, they're separate from the USGA in a lot of senses. Of course, they follow the rules of golf, but they sort of set their own rules in a lot of cases. Yep. Would they Would they say, okay, guys, if you're playing here, you're using this golf ball. We'll, we'll print your Bridgestone logo on it. We'll print your Callaway logo on it, but you're using you're all using the same golf ball. Uh, that's that's something. So I think the biggest thing is, will the golf balls be rolled back? There doesn't seem to be any serious discussion around that. And, you know, this is where sometimes I have uh, a bit of an issue with we all play under the same rules. It's I think it'd be one thing to roll the balls back for the professionals. Right. But I don't know if you necessarily need to roll it back for for the average you golfer, yeah. the, the, the weekend golfer. That, that was... Sort of how I thought when they changed the long putter. Okay, if you want to change the anchoring rule for the pro guys, okay, but uh, you shouldn't be making the weekend golfer feel like he can't anchor, especially if, you know, say, the example I like to use is, say someone's 70 years old, they can't bend as well, they just, like me. they're out there playing for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't pointing any fingers, Gene. Okay, okay. <laughs> you, know, you know, that. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I mean, it's always talked about, but nothing all that serious at the moment. Of course, that can always change depending on, on how a guy like Bryson does or if, if more guys, say, after the turn of the calendar to 2021, come and are bombing the golf ball like he does. I mean, we were already having guys bomb the golf ball, but it's making a guy like Rory McIlroy or Justin Thomas or Brooks Kepka seem like they're just bunting it out there sometimes. The other part about Bryson DeChambeau, and this is the part that has kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, now, I, I saw an interview he did uh, with David Faraday, and you can take a lot of that with a grain of salt because David Faraday is who he is. But, you know, Bryson comes off as, um, I guess, arrogant would be the right word. But, you know, basically he's smarter. He's the smartest guy in the room, and he's not afraid to let you know that. But... My problem with him is is that he made a comment within the last couple of months where he thinks that the media should be protecting the brand of these yeah. golfers and not calling them out uh, when they make mistakes, that you should be protecting their brand. That is, to me, that's, uh, that's tone deaf. It, it certainly is, and I, mean, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole on that one because <laughs> I, I, I think that one can – fall right in line with some of the similar discussions that are being had about the media in general yes, right now. Right. Um, right. Yeah. We don't need to please. Let's not go. There. We're not going there. But yeah, I mean, he had the incident. I can't remember the tournament uh, off the top of my head, but he had the tournament where he hit a poor shot and then the cameraman was walking with him and he had his caddy run in front of the cameraman. And you know, it, these guys are, they're athletes. They're out there. They're performing. It's, it's similar to if 
yeah, if I don't know, pick it, pick an athlete. What's we got NFL football coming up this weekend? If, Tom Brady. If Tom Brady, right? If he has some sort of temper tantrum on the sideline, right? It's it's going to be shown. It's it's the same thing. It's, right. It's 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 the arena. It's it's going to be shown, and I, I think you already do see these guys control their brand way, way, way more than anyone like a Jack Nicholas could or a Arnold Palmer, even going back to the beginning of the Tiger Woods era, just because of the power of social media. Bryson DeChambeau puts out all these videos uh, of him and that's him controlling his brand. So uh, to a large extent, their brand is already controlled and formed in a way that they want to see it. And it it's not on the media. I'm, I know you agree. It's not on the media to, to f- go through with that persona all the time. If, if something happens. Well, and I, cause I think the other part of this, that, that he has to recognize and all golfers have to recognize that uh, the media, let the media, you know, you can lump the media however you want to lump it. But let, let's let say for argument's sake with DeChambeau here, he was upset about television. Uh-huh. The amount of money that television pays for the rights right. to, to broadcast these events puts the money in his pocket, you know, exactly. for, for winning these events. So he needs to recognize that this is, for lack of a better term, I guess there's somewhat of a partnership that should be here. And, and you know, he has to recognize that. And, you know, and maybe it's his youth. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, maybe it's, uh, maybe that's why, but there is a partnership with the media here. There's no question about it. Oh, there, there certainly is. And I don't think the media, which for, I think in a lot of ways is, could be riding the coattails of Bryson for the next 10 years. If right. he keeps going at this pace, they're not going to go out of their way to make him look bad. Um, but if he, gets upset on a course he's one of the bigger stars he's probably the headline headliner heading into this masters they're gonna they're gonna show it they're gonna point it out and uh you you would hope that he starts to come around and see that and like you mentioned learn to work with the media uh a little bit better because he's responsible for his own image and they're responsible for for producing it and like you said the tv they those purses that they have in large part are because of the tv deals that that they're bringing in um so let's get back to the tournament and and maybe look at some of the guys that uh outside of bryson every because i if probably the uh, most of the money is probably on him i would imagine yeah i would Um, think who else i mean uh, i i was joking with you before we started after uh watching a shot that john rom hit yesterday in a practice round where he skipped the ball uh, into the green and had a hole in one and had a hole in one in the practice four and and he look he's playing well right now uh he's got to be one of the favorites going in as well doesn't he yeah john rom is always going to be a favorite no matter what tournament he tees it up in and yeah that was pretty remarkable oh, the, uh, ridiculous they, they it's it's a master tradition where guys during the practice round will try to skip the ball across the pond on 16 and run it up there and he jarred it for a hole in one you see guys do it every so often vj singh i know did it yeah. uh and, <clears throat> Pretty sure Darren Clark did it at some point, but Rom always a favorite. Dustin Johnson uh, played well last week at Houston with th- the tied for yeah. second. You know, I thought I thought he played really well, especially considering he had, yeah. had to take a few weeks off. I was I was right, really shocked. Yeah, yeah, I was shocked how good he looked. Yeah, he he looked very good, and 
Uh, Brooks Kepka, who's who's had the injuries plaguing him for a while now, he was 65, 65 over the weekend. Uh, so you got a lot of the big names rounding into form. I think, of course, the question always coming into the Masters, Roy McIlroy, what's he going to do? Uh, he was playing really, really good golf before the stoppage for COVID in March. He moved up to the number one player in the world. But since the restart in June, just hasn't really found it. Time free at the U.S. Open, but wasn't really in it. Uh, top 20, top 25 at the CJ Cup and the Zozo Championship. Uh, and you know, he, he's talked about having the distraction. He, he recently had his first child, so that's understandable. So the question is, what kind of Rory McIlroy will we get in? Will we get this week? Uh, he's a guy who has played well at the Masters, but. He's also shown that he can play well for 54 holes and have a bad nine holes and shoot himself out of it. So, um, you know, I'd love to see him uh, him do well this week. Another guy that we won't see, a former champion, uh, Sergio Garcia, has had yeah. to withdraw from the tournament because of the COVID. Um, and, uh, you know, one other name that always comes up, but this is a guy whose game looks awful right now unless he's playing on the senior tour, and that's Phil Mickelson. Uh, his last couple of PGA events have been dreadful. Yeah, not too good. He, uh, he, he finished on a high note, holding out for Eagle at Houston last week. But, uh, and, and he was competitive last year. He was around the top of the leaderboard through two rounds with the Masters. But, uh, and he falls into that category of the experience at the course. So right. what? will that do but uh, i don't think you can give give him much of a chance it's unfortunate about sergio garcia uh you also had jakeem neiman who's uh one of the young stars in the game he yep. had to withdraw uh because of covid uh a name that i'm seeing surface a lot he's playing really really well won the bmw championship uh, on the european tour tyler hatton yeah uh, he's up to number nine in the world uh and seems to have he's always been really talented uh but couldn't quite always put it together. Uh, maybe he's on a, it, it sort of reminds you of Danny Willett when he came in and won the masters a few years back, he was playing really, really good golf and came through and won the masters. Now, of course, Danny Willett fell off the face of the earth after that masters win and Tyler Hatton, if you were to win would hope not to do that, but he, he's a name. Uh, Patrick Reed, of course, who won a couple of years ago, uh, seems to rise to the occasion quite often and be around the the top of the leaderboard. Justin Rose plays well at Augusta. Well, another uh, so, another guy I was thinking about. What about? I mean, Jordan Spieth is a guy that I, I still can't figure him out. But this is a guy back yeah. wasn't wasn't it in 2018? He made that huge charge um, yeah. and ended up tying Patrick Reed at one point. Um, so I mean, Spieth is a guy that has shown the ability to shoot low numbers at, at Augusta as well. He has, but his you're talking about Phil, Phil Mickelson's game. Yeah. His yeah, and that's more understandable because Phil's now at the age where he's on the the Champions Tour. But Spieth is just one of those head scratchers. He's almost uh, he hasn't had the injuries that a David Duvall had that helped uh, move his career in a downward motion. But he's in that conversation of. He's very much on the fringe of that conversation as officially in the category of the what happened to him guys. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's, it, he's one of those guys, Sam, he, you know, I, look, I'm half nuts. So, uh, I, but I think a part of Spee's problem is mental. He is a guy, yeah, even, when, so, even yeah. when he's playing well, 
He is very mercurial on the course. He yells a lot at himself. He gets upset very easily. He yells at his caddy, you know, a guy that's supposed to be his great friend. You know, so, you know, he's a guy that, to me, I think he's his biggest enemy. I think in a lot of cases he is because you look at his numbers and he still birdies quite a – he still has a really – he still has good numbers as far as birdies go, but it's those other holes. He'll – even last week at Houston, he – I think he birdied two of the first three holes on Thursday, got off to a really, really quick start, and then just poof, there he goes. Yeah. So <laughs> it's 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 really a, a head-scratcher, and you always hear guys talk about they, get a, they feel kind of reborn, uh, a shot of energy when they come onto the Augusta property, and you, you got to hope that that can happen for, for Spieth because he was – the biggest star in golf a few years ago and you know you were talking about he's going to be on all these president cup and Ryder cup teams for years right, and right. he's he's going to be that guy and he's already won three majors how many is he going to win and where is he going to be when his career which i think too is goes to the conversation of just how difficult it is to play the game of golf and how finicky the game is one day you could be going great and then the next a couple of swing things get out of line and you can't find it again uh, so the last thing this morning about the masters um no fans and yep. of all the tournaments i think in the wor- in, in in the world i think that the crowd at the masters is perhaps the greatest one in golf i've always thought that uh, how is, how is that? Do you think, it, I mean, I guess the golfers are used to it now, not having fans. Do you think it makes any difference in how these guys approach this course with no fans there? Uh, I don't think so at this point. Like you mentioned, they're used to it. They've already played a couple of majors without fans and there's something special about Augusta. So I think the intensity is going to be ratcheted up even more than the U S open at Wingfoot, the PGA championship at, at Harding park. I, I know you've heard some players talk about at times it's been hard to, to get the juices going because the fans aren't there, but I, I don't think this week is going to be one of them. And honestly, not, I can't say I'm looking forward to a masters without fans, but I'm interested <laughs> in seeing what the course looks like without fans and getting an even more complete picture in my mind of what that layout looks like. Of course, I, I want fans back, right. hopefully when it comes around again in April, but for the time being, I think it's going to be, I'm looking forward to seeing what a, what the full course looks like unobstructed, because it's the course, it's one of the courses, as we all know, you see it every year, you know the holes, you know the shots, um, so what does it look like without a grandstand here or without a pack of fans there? I, I, I think that's an interesting, not something we anyone wanted, but an interesting uh, addition to the broadcast. Um, gun to your head, who's winning this weekend? Uh, it's got to be Bryson DeChambeau. Okay. Uh, he's he's just playing too well. He's I don't want to fi- say he's found the cheat as far as golf goes right now, but he's that's, certainly that's a dirty guys. word. That's a dirty word know, these days. I know. I know. <laughs> let's, let's, let's just say he's out thought guys yeah. and he's worked really hard to put him in a position himself in a position to capitalize on, uh, what he's discovered 
as far as a way to win and be successful in the game of golf. So uh, I, I, he had a really good chance at the PGA, won the U.S. Open, and I think he's going to uh, win here at Augusta. And wh- whoever wins, it's going to be a fascinating storyline because the next two majors are the Masters. You have this one, and then you have the one in April. So right, yeah, uh, weird. You're you're <laughs> going to be defending right away. Yeah, and it could be like two different tournaments because if this whole vaccine thing comes to be and whatnot, there could actually, for the second Masters, we might actually be able to have fans there. Right. One can only hope. Yeah, well, and I'm I'm hoping for your sake. And, and we'll talk again uh, here in a couple of weeks because I'd like to hear your thoughts. I mean, obviously working with the, uh, the CSGA, it's it's affect, this whole COVID thing has affected uh, what's going on here in the state of Connecticut. It's affected what's going on nationwide as far as uh, golf goes. So uh, I'd like a chance to talk to you about that uh, after the Masters is over. So we'll get you back on in a couple of weeks. Sounds good, Gene. All right, Sam Doster here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow morning with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We appreciate your time this morning. Happy Veterans Day to uh, all of our veterans out there. I know uh, most of our families have somebody, at least one person, who has, uh, uh, who has served in the military. So happy Veterans Day, and we will look forward to seeing, them, seeing you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.